All right, everybody, welcome to the Davis Fitness Method podcast. I'm your host again, Stephen Davis, and today I have with me Jessica Isaacs. I found her on social media, but she is a prolific figure, um, and she works for the Clippers. I will um, allow her to kind of dive in on her background and who she is, because she'll do a better job at that than I will. Um, But Jessica, if you wouldn't mind sharing with our listeners who you are. Hey, what's up? Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, Yeah, my name is Jessica. I like uh, Steven said, I am the sports dietitian for the LA Clippers going into my third season there. Um, I am a registered dietitian. I went to school for nutrition at Purdue University, got a bachelor's degree in nutrition, and then went on to become a dietitian. Um, I worked at Mamba Sports Academy, Kobe Bryant's training facility, worked with all sorts of athletes there, and also worked at UCLA with a men's and women's basketball program as their sports dietitian before the Clippers. Um, My approach is really just like a very much a food first approach, but like nutrition can fit for anybody wherever you're at. And really just kind of like easy to implement solutions, but with a really big focus on avoiding diet culture traps and misinformation. So a lot of what I help my athletes with and then also kind of the content that I put on social media is with that emphasis of just kind of making educate making nutrition education entertaining and approachable, but also debunking a lot of the crap that's out there. Perfect. Is that where being a carb enthusiast comes in? <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, I think like Carbs are so demonized and I understand like it's such a, everything is so nuanced, right? It's not black and white with nutrition. And so you've got different camps of people and like nutrition and a lot of things in life aren't one size fits all. And so I think, you know, one camp is like, okay, carbs is weight gain and blah, 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 but they don't understand like all of the nuanced things about it. When it comes to someone who's like a high level athlete or just someone who's like very active, carbs are for energy, right? And so we need a lot of them. And so, I, yeah, like I just see a lot of like I, I came into nutrition with my own hangups with food and body image. I had eating disorder after eating disorder. And so I really come from a place of like, listen, guys, I've been there and done that. This is all bullshit. Let me help you like get your mind right and get your life right when it comes to your nutrition. When it comes to athletes, uh, I, you just mentioned like eating disorder after eating disorder. Do you find that it's more common with athletes that they're struggling with like orthorexia? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So orthorexia, I'm sure your followers probably know, but if not, just like this like unhealthy kind of obsession with with health, you know, right? Like, so do you think of words like clean eating, um, no days off, no excuses, right? Like people that are like meal prepping the chicken, rice, broccoli every single day. Like I did bodybuilding. Like that's how I came into all of this. And I did bodybuilding after an eating disorder. And so I fell into that orthorexia mindset thinking that because I'm active, because I have a six pack, like I am healthy. Right. And really like I was so nutrition and diet and fitness obsessed that like I was living in Europe at the time I was like bringing Tupperware of crappy tilapia to all of these European countries I was booking hotel rooms when I was like traveling based on where if they had a gym and if the gym had the equipment that I needed and while like some of this might not sound like it's a bad thing it's my whole all of my mindset and every all my thoughts and a lot of like athletes really does revolve around like what are you putting into your body and and making sure you're burning enough calories and yeah like that definitely is a lot of that kind of um, mindset for sure and athletes but even like not even athletes I feel like a step underneath a traditional athlete and more of like you're like heavy exerciser bodybuilder crossfitter like they're definitely more of the orthorexia people that I see gotcha so if you uh if you were having somebody new meet with you what would be like some of your first steps i mean obviously like i've seen your posts on like how detailed your intake is um but i guess from like a very like base standpoint like what are like some of the first few things that you're focusing on depending on what you find yeah i mean so a big approach for me first is like the relationship and rapport building aspect of it i need to really understand who you are what's important to you what your drivers are what your mindset is what your goals are and whether that goal is reasonable what your education level is especially when it comes to like your understanding of nutrition and health and your body um and kind of what your day-to-day is like so i'm trying to get to know the person and then understand you know how can i best support them it's a very individual approach um, a lot of times I'm asking them, yeah, like what they had to eat in the last, you know, 24 hours, maybe three days and trying to get a general feel for what their 
their not just their diet though but their habits like what is their day-to-day lifestyle like and then i need to understand kind of where they're at you know are they actually someone ready to change are they ready to make a big change and then i'm looking usually for like taking all this and doing all of like my like computing in my head together with this person is find like the lowest hanging fruit like what can we work on first that's going to be move us towards our goal but also taking into consideration what will this person like what what thing can i have them do first that they can be successful at so that i can like build that confidence and build that trust so that we move on to harder things and harder habits and harder skills that they're with me in the process i really love that what um like you said one thing that i thought was pretty interesting like are they ready for a change or how big of a change? How do you go about assessing that? Yeah, you listen to the words that they say, you know, listen for words like change talk, like not like just like I want to, I want to have a six pack, I want to lose 10 pounds. But like, I, you know, just listening to like, have they started to make changes already? Like, these are the things that I've started to do to already support that habit. Here's what I've done myself before I've come to you to to tell me what to do, right? And so I want to know, like, have they already started making some efforts on their own? And do like, even is, is what they're talking about, like, what they're willing to do and, and things that they're that they will and won't do? Like, is that supportive of this change that they're trying to make or this goal that they're trying to achieve? Or are they saying like, hey, I just like don't eat vegetables. Like I'm probably like I'm stuck at drinking water, blah, blah, blah. You know, just things that are probably going to be detriment or obstacles in the way. That might be someone where we need to, I need to like have some like um, question whether this is the right time for them or really look at like, okay, what, again, how can I move them towards getting ready for that change if they're not? Perfect. So, um what would be like some of the first or our most impactful things that somebody can do at like a base level that will help them to improve their performance? Um, and how do you know if somebody's ready to do some of those like, like easy switch things? Cause like they've, maybe they've, they've sound geared up. They sound like they've been making some changes. Um, albeit does it, like, would it matter if they're like positive or negative, what you would deem negative changes, just changes? Yeah. So I would say like consistency is something that, you know, like is is a first place where we want to start or or something that we're like looking for first is, you know, whether you are, um, whatever is what we're trying to do. Like, do you have a regular eating schedule, right? Let's say you're trying to like make some changes, but right now you're just kind of like winging it. Maybe you have like a meal once a day. Maybe you like, sometimes you breakfast, sometimes you don't. You eat before working out and you don't. Like first we just try to build like some consistency or, and a routine. Um, and then it's easier for us to plug and play. Then we can start, like once we control some things, we can start changing some things. And then you can turn into your own experiment where I want that person like checking in and noticing things that are that they're noticing that are changing. Do I feel stronger? Do I feel like I have more energy? Or do I feel like overfull? Do I feel like my stomach's now upset during a workout because I've changed some things? Uh, but yeah, like laying out a foundation first of just having some structure in place is going to be hugely beneficial to then move towards whether that's something, whether you're someone that needs more carbs or whether you're someone that needs vitamins or whether you're someone that needs more hydration, you know, whatever that is. Once we have like consistency of what our habit and routine is, then we can start tweaking things. So is there a is there an easy way to tell like what things need to be tweaked and what things don't need to be tweaked? So like, I, I mean, how would you know the difference between, oh, I need to you know, do a little bit more carbs versus I need to work more on my hydration. Yeah. So, um, a lot of times if we're talking about energy, um, part of it is just doing a review of like, what's, what's the problems? Because if your, your energy is low and you're sluggish, it could be a nutrient deficiency. It could be a carbohydrate deficiency. It could be a sleep deficiency. It could be a water deficiency. So that's where like, we're looking at, okay, what's your day like? What's your lifestyle like? What are your habits like? Because everybody's going to be different, right? Um, and everybody's going to come with a different issue or a different goal. So if there's someone that would, maybe they're trying to make some body composition changes, but they're not losing fat fast enough, or they've lost weight, but they're losing muscle mass. And, you know, if they're losing weight and losing muscle mass, then I might say, we're probably not getting enough protein. Or, you know, maybe we need to add some creatine or something like that. So it's going to be so individual and based on so many different things. I think it's an important part to like, communicate to people when they look to the internet for instance for like a meal plan or like a a guide of some sort is that everybody's body is so different and even your individual body can change throughout the year throughout the month you know 
hormonally and what your needs are based on the environment, based on your training. There's so many different things. So um, like there's never a one size fits all approach to anything because there are so many different nuances and particulars to each individual. Do you think there's a lot more that you do not, I mean, maybe not a lot more, but do you feel like a lot of the conversations you have kind of center them themselves more around like the psychology or the emotions surrounding some things versus like some, like a lot of just dietary focus. Like I imagine somebody thinks I'm hiring a nutrition coach. We're going to be doing a lot of this X and O's. You're going to maybe help me build a meal plan or something like that. Yeah. I think there's, I, I find there's differences. There's a lot of gender differences a lot of times. Um, men tend to be more of like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Like they want, they want, um, what, like I'm not a big meal plan person. I'm like a big collaborative, like let's come up with a plan together. Um, but men are like, just tell me what to do. Oftentimes, and that's a generalization, but I find that, I find that there are some gender differences. Um, whereas, uh, women kind of like tend to be a little bit more curious or tend to have you know, a little bit more to say, and this doesn't work for me, you know, does work for me or whatever. So sometimes it is like a mentality thing, a narrative thing. Um, sometimes it is, yeah, an age thing. A lot of times when it's a high level athlete, I mean, there's definitely people that aren't really ready for the changes that they're saying, but a lot of times the high, le high level athlete, because you already have like a certain mentality of discipline and structure and order, it's, it's a, it's a little bit of different than like, maybe somebody who's just getting into working out or is a regular exerciser and maybe wants to lose some weight or make some big body composition changes. Is there something, are there some things like you've tried to help coach somebody towards in terms of changes? Maybe you've identified that they want to change, but maybe they're more resistant surrounding certain things. Yeah. Like I've had some people like I'm not a big like fan of keto, for instance, um, as like, this we won't even get into like that can of worms but like particularly for athletes and there's research support it won't even get into that can of worms but I, I i had some conversations with a particular person who had some goals um that like like of making some body composition changes but they were presenting to me telling me that they're really tired that they're getting sick all the time that they were having like all of these issues and i thought that they were likely dietary related However, this person really wasn't ready to come off of keto. So they just wanted me to support them and make the most, do the help, most helpful approach to keto possible. And for me, like your goals are my goals. You're hiring me. Like I could just be like, no, nah, I don't do this. But like, I wanted to help this person. It took us probably a year before like I was able to show like, hey, look, like this is not, this is not working for you. Like this might work for some people. This is not working for you. Um, but I think like with any kind of resistance, like I, I just got to rock with it, you know, like maybe call call attention to um once i have that trust in that relationship with a person call attention to like hey look you say this but you're doing this um and and they don't really match up but it's always like it can be a gentle approach sometimes um cool thing with like a lot of athletes is especially once i have their trust is i could be a little hard around them because they're kind of used to it <laughs> like so but but because nutrition in particular what people put into their body is so personal um, and is tied into so many different aspects of their lifestyle, their culture, social, socioeconomic status. Um, it's kind of, you have to, I have to be really gentle when, when I have someone who's like resistant on something um, or is like kind of stuck uh, with their, not really ready to make the changes that they're saying. Fair. So, um, in terms of one thing that I'm, I'm pretty interested in, in uh, kind of surrounding performance um, and the fact that you're a carbohydrate enthusiast. Um, are there better times to be consuming carbs? Does it matter? Um, is, is, are sometimes more important than others? Yeah, I would say like if I was generalizing it, um, I would say before, before, during, after exercise is, is probably the time where we want to really make sure that we're including some. Now, like that's not to say that we shouldn't have carbohydrates in the evening. There could be plenty of reasons to have carbohydrates in the evening, plenty of reasons to have carbohydrates at all meals. I would say carbohydrates at all meals, but the amount. So like, if we think about the more active I am, I'm using carbohydrates to fuel my energy. So the more active I am, the more I want. And around that time frame, it's most beneficial. So pre-exercise within the two hours leading up to, to training or to lifting, depending on like how active we are if we're somewhere we're just going for a walk we might not need a pre-walk snack but unless it's like a long walk or where somebody's walking at 
a race walk pace or something like that. But like probably before exercise, if we're active for longer than an hour at a moderate to hard level um, or intensity level, I would say we want some carbohydrates even through exercise, whether that's liquid or a gel or a solid of some sort. And then after exercise is a great time to refuel and re like refuel all of the glycogen or the carbohydrate fuel that we've used out of our muscle and liver. Um, so right around in those time frame before, during, and after is like the most important. Um, but I would also argue again, like the carbohydrates throughout the day, um, in certain amounts, regardless of your goals. Does it matter, uh, what type of sport you're playing? Um, how you would go about fueling, uh, would carbohydrates play less of a role in certain ones or are, is it pretty standard across all? Yeah. So like a sport like golf or baseball, you think of like, that's probably there's a little less running. Um, you're, you're going to get your heart rate up less. Um, now not necessarily during their training, if they're lifting and they're, they're doing some kind of like, um, a conditioning training, they might need more carbohydrates then, but during their actual competition, you're not utilizing as much carbohydrates, right? So that wouldn't be as demanding as like a stop and go sport, like basketball or hockey or soccer. Those are going to be more carbohydrate or de dependent, um, um, sports. Same thing with like a gymnast. They might not need a lot of carbohydrates during a meet or um, a competition day, but they might need more during their training, you know, because they'll go for long hours. So you just think about the intensity level and the duration. And so the longer and the harder you're training, the more carbohydrates you need. Fair. So um, what I'm hearing is it doesn't sound like you need the same amount of fuel on all days, but let's say you're somebody who's, you know, maybe working out a few days a week and you get your steps in, would you focus on having different fueling surrounding certain training days or would you kind of maybe have somebody eat like an average or how would you go about approaching that? It all kind of depends, right, on the size of the person um, and again, like on their training and, and, and goals, you know, whether they're trying to maintain, lose, gain, whatever. Um, but yeah, if you're if on a day, like let's say you have, um, you have like days that are lighter volume days, maybe days you're just doing some accessory work or days where you're having like a full body, really rigorous workout or doing some hit or something like that. Um, you could look at those days again in, in, in not necessarily a sport way, but in like just thinking of intensity and duration, you know? So on the days where I have more intense workouts or I have longer duration workouts, those are the days where I probably want some more carbohydrates and more simple carbohydrates. So like um, things that are gonna be simple sugars, fast digested. On days where you're less active, maybe taking, maybe it's a yoga day, light walk, you know, something where you're a little bit less active or not to the same intensity, then that might be something where you have less of those like simple carbohydrates and, but you replace those for whole grains. So opting for the brown rice and the brown pasta and the, and the wheat bread, as opposed to your white stuff. I saw something that you posted about, um, basically rehydration. Um, like a lot of people opt for like coconut waters and the misconception that that is going to be the best thing versus traditional sports drinks. Can we talk a little bit about that and why coconut water might not be as beneficial as people might think? For sure. So, so if you like coconut water, we can work with it. We can work with it. But like, just when it comes down to like what a sports drink is, a traditional sports drink has an electrolyte, different electrolyte concentrations. So we're looking for generally like a hundred milligrams of sodium per eight ounces of a sports drink. Um, so if you look at like a Gatorade bottle, it's probably double that. So 200 milligrams for like a 16, 17 ounce bottle, right? Um, and then you were also looking for carbohydrates because carbohydrates help with hydration. We also are burning off carbo using carbohydrates during a workout. So traditional sports drink will have those. But if we're just looking at like, like fluids and electrolytes, we're not even talking about carbohydrates. We're talking about like in order to maintain and restore hydration, we're talking about replacing the, our sweat losses essentially. So when we sweat, when we when we breathe, res respiration, when we use the bathroom, all of these things, we're losing water and fluid, but it's not just like plain water. It's got electrolytes in it too. And the main one we lose in our sweat is sodium. So we do lose magnesium, we do lose potassium, but we lose a salt, sodium or salt in the highest amounts. 
everybody's sweat rate's different and everybody's concentration is different. But if you're a heavier sweater, if you're a really salty sweater, someone who gets like, the well, your shirt gets really wide or your hat gets really wide or you get like salty crystals on your skin, you're probably a salty sweater. And so in order to like retain all the fluids that you're intaking or to rehydrate, you need salt. And so a drink that's coconut water-based, while it will tout being like high in electrolytes, it's actually potassium that it's rich in, which is something we don't lose as much of in our sweat. We do a better job at regulating. And it would just show, research just shows that it's just not as necessary as sodium is when it comes to hydration. So throughout the day, I'm not talking about just throughout the day, I'm talking about specifically around activity, um, pre, during, and, uh, and afterwards, we wanna look for an electrolyte product or a, a hydration product that has sodium. If you like coconut water, you like your body armor, prime or whatever, you can add in salt to those. You can add an electrolyte powder to those. Um, it, but you know, it also depends again on your salt concentration. Just for the most part, if you're sweating a lot, you're, you're losing sodium more than you're losing potassium. So um, if you're cramping a lot, people will think, oh, I need a banana, right? That's the traditional thing. But again, that's because potassium, however, we don't actually lose as much potassium as people tend to believe we do. Um, so we're looking for sodium. Okay. That's fascinating. So I think that's the first time I've heard the term salty sweater. I feel like it, yeah. it makes sense. Um, if, if somebody were a salty sweater versus a not salty sweater, would they, is there a way for them to know how much sodium they should add or it, are you going off a feeling? Or are we trying to measure this thing or? It's tough because the, the most accurate measurement is going to come like in a controlled lab. Um, environment but um gatorade actually makes like a sweat patch i don't know if any other companies make them currently but they make a sweat patch you can place on your forearm um i see you have tattoos i have tattoos too don't put it on your tattoo area um put it directly on your skin but it will measure during like a 30 minute hour long workout it'll actually fill up with fluid and so it'll measure your sweat rate like how much you lose and that it'll guesstimate it and then it'll also measure electrolyte content specifically sodium so it'll give you a readout of like whether you're on a low, moderate, or high sweat, and then also losses. So if you lose a lot of sweat or not during a workout. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's would, it, cool. would, it ma- <laughs> would it matter what part of the body you put it on? Because I feel like my head sweats more than my There you go. I mean, I think the recommendation is generally like the forearm area, um, but I, that, that might be, you know what? I would probably just for like shits and giggles, I'm going to come like two, two at a pack, is like do one there and then do one. <laughs> difference or maybe we're in headband (laughs) i don't know if i'm gonna take that advice but i feel like uh, for for science i may um so with um with some of your content and like i guess let's go the humor route um with some of your content i find that it's really entertaining do you find that it engages more people or do you feel like more people are receptive to talking to you about your content because it's entertaining totally 100 like i been on social media doing this stuff for a while i was putting out graphics and that sort of thing but like during covid there was this big shift to short form videos i have a teenage daughter i watched her on tiktok and i listened to all of the crap that's out there and you know i've got my pitchfork i'm mad because of all this misinformation on the internet and so i thought well hell like if you can't beat them join them right? And like go in where they're at and start spreading the good information. And it just became really fun and like a fun outlet for me to like have my creative fun side to, to let that out. And it was the more, the more silly or the more authentic it was or whatever, with a focus on being entertaining or resharable or just easy to understand. Um, I really did find that I was having a lot more conversations with my athletes and other people about specifically things that I was putting on there. I regularly will have a conversation with my athlete about something, a question that they ask me, something that they're doing that I'm trying to get them to not do or whatever. And I will go and I'll make a video that day specifically for that athlete. And a lot of times they'll see it and then we'll have like, they'll either comment or they'll hit me up in my DMs or we'll see them in person and they'll be like, hey, I saw that, let's talk or whatever. Um, So it's a great way for me to like even start those conversations and continue conversations. I know some people who create content who would be kind of nervous to do that sort of stuff because they feel like they would lose some sort of authority or people won't take them seriously. What do you have to say about that? 
I mean, credibility, I, I think, first of all, what professionalism is, I think that's like, it's very subjective. Yeah. And credibility, you can establish that a lot of different ways. So if you're someone who's coming on and you are being really silly and you're like, man, will people take me seriously? Throw in some research articles in there. Throw in some PubMed links, you know, support what you're saying. Um, as you start to build your audience and you build this trust, these people that, you know, trust you or coming to you as the authority, um, you, you're going to be, there, there, there are people that are coming because they want to hear from you and they like your content. And so you're building authority in, in your community. There's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be people that are like not into your stuff. That's fine. It's not for them. It's, it's not for everybody. There's enough people out there that need help, that need resources, that need education, um, that are into whatever it is that you do, whether you're quirky and weird, whether you're a nerd, whether you're goofy, whether whatever it is, like whatever your shtick is, like whatever your authentic self is or the way that you prefer to like deliver, like pe people are interested. Was there one piece of content that you like can think back to that really spurred you being like okay well if you can't beat them join them this is who we have to to thank for i went through i went through a period like i was making videos for a little bit but then i went through a period of like um i can't even think of his name now it's a good thing that i can't but it's like this doctor i can't even think of his freaking name now i'm like I was like, for a while, I was combating a lot of trolls. Like, I created a dummy TikTok account so that I could I could follow and engage with content that like isn't what I believe in, mm. so that I could hear some of the message that I wasn't hearing. Because after a while, right, like your feed just becomes stuff that you like agree with or like, right? And you start living in silo. And so I want to be able to hear though what people outside of my silo are hearing, so that I can continue to combat it. And so I think there was just a period of time where like I just made like. I don't want to call them hate videos, but I was just like stitching a bunch of just like turds in the space. And I think after that, I was just like, I, it was a little bit sassy for me because I felt like I went from being educational to being like a little bit edgy where like it could come across as like chip on my shoulder, just like angry, angry chick kind of thing. Um, I didn't want to come off that way and it didn't. Um, and I think my people like appreciate it more to see someone like just really speak their mind in that area. What were some of the first things that you really wanted to dispel um of course carbs that carbs aren't bad right so i did a lot of focus around that um and then just a lot of like a lot of diet culture stuff um a lot of uh, stuff on like needing to eat the same thing every day or needing to like um uh, supplement supplements is a big one that i talk about a lot so i see a lot of people that use that reach for supplements before they've even really done any serious work and like just the basics of nutrition um, and so I really wanted people to understand, like, you don't need to spend all of this money to be healthy and to perform at your best. And you're probably, if you're over here spending a lot of your time and thoughts, you're probably missing the mark somewhere else. So that's a lot, I think, what my core content kind of centered around. Are there any supplements that you feel like people should be taking that they're maybe not getting through their nutrition? Or do you feel like you can probably get it all through your nutrition if you try hard enough that way? It's really hard to get everything in, especially if you're someone who's exercising a lot the more you're exercising the more energy you're using the more food you're intaking the more your body has to break down the more vitamins it's using essentially to break down and properly digest and metabolize all the food and you're taking in properly so someone who's like an athlete or a high level performer they're going to have higher needs than the average person um and in order to get in everything we need we'd probably have to eat like a pretty like a wide variety of foods every single day and a lot of fruits more fruits and vegetables than most people are intaking or are willing to intake um so there's a there's a few things that are definitely um there's a, there's a lot of like things that probably the average human isn't getting in um but like big supplements that i stand on creatine um that's a big one super wide one of the most well-researched um sports performance enhancing um, supplements on the market. There's a lot of like misconceptions that it's a steroid. We actually make it in our own bodies. We get it from animal-based foods. Um, and by having more of it, it can be beneficial for lots of people, whether it comes to like explosive sprints, lifts, jumps, um, whether it comes to like maintaining and growing lean muscle mass, um, but even it has some cognitive benefits. So um, I see creatine as something potentially helpful for a lot of people. A good omega-3 supplement or a fish oil type supplement, uh, an EPA, DHA supplement, um, most people could usually benefit from. Other things like magnesium is one that I commonly see people deficient in. Um, 
A good protein powder is nice to have on hand if you're someone who has a hard time meeting your protein needs. But protein you can get, certainly you could you can definitely get enough protein in. Uh, but those are the ones that, that are, are the ones that I most commonly recommending. Vitamin D, a lot of people don't get enough vitamin D as well. I used to see you talk a lot about, about and maybe you still do, but um, like tart cherry juice. I know it's not a supplement, but like, can you tell us about some of the benefits of of that? Yeah, tart cherry juice is dope. It's got a couple different um, benefits. So after a hard exercise, it's helpful for reducing inflammation and muscle soreness. Um, so it helps with recovery, uh, but it also helps with your natural sleep cycle. So there's naturally occurring melatonin in it. And so before bed, um, you can also take it and it can help you get to bed faster, stay asleep longer, have deeper, more restful sleep. Um, so as a recovery tool um, for someone who's a high performer, it's super beneficial. Um, there's like some that are specially formulated to include like a little bit extra melatonin and things to help for sleep. Um, and those are something that like I'm passing out to my athletes all the time. So usually after a game, I'm hitting them with cherry, with a tart cherry juice. Um, and it has to be tart. It can't be regular cherry juice. Tart cherry juice. Um, and then usually in bedtime too for people that struggle with sleeping or if we're traveling a lot and jumping time zones. So it helping with sleep. Um, a lot of people would often just like jump to like a melatonin supplement. How do you feel about those? I mean, you certainly can do it. I think, you know, the, the general recommendation is that like not to consistently be taking melatonin like every day sort of thing. Um, some people can certainly overdo it and take more um, than necessary. And there can be some issues with that. Um, but, you know, I'm big on like, what can we do to like improve our sleep cycle naturally? Um, you know, and are there things that we can be doing to just support it in that way without having to like throw a bandaid on it? But melatonin can certainly be helpful, especially if you struggle with sleep and it's either, hey, I take melatonin and I get sleep or I try to stay up all night and, you know, fall asleep and maybe get three hours of sleep. I would say take the melatonin there. Do you have, do you have athletes that come to you that are, uh, what would be deemed like maybe underweight or maybe at an unhealthy weight that you need to help? bring their weight up? Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of my young guys coming in, they're coming from college. We usually need to put size on them pretty quickly um, because they're going to be out there with some some big body dudes out on the court, right? And so we need to put some size on them generally. Um, and I definitely have some guys, whether well, different ages, but sometimes it's my older guys that we need to take, you know, they put on a little bit of body fat um, and they have better performance when they're a little bit leaner. Um, I would argue, you know, I would, the big thing that I like to say is that like everybody performs best at a different size and there's no one particular body size for any sport or position that's best. Um, whatever, like it's, it's subjective and objective, what works best for each individual person. But yeah, like I have to have conversations all the time around like, Hey, we've got to eat more. And then with my guys, I'm usually helping support it with like, I'm throwing more food at them. I'm setting up a meal prep service for them. I'm just giving them, I'm making sure that they have all the opportunities to do what they need to. And then a weight loss guy is a guy, you know, I'm going to be doing some counseling around like, hey, or or gal, whatever the case may be on, you know, how can we, why do we need to lose weight? Should we be losing the weight? And how do we approach it most healthfully? Um, sometimes like the front office wants something that's different than what may be realistic and helpful for that athlete in that course of time. So I might be looking at, okay, how can we, what's the most, what what's the most helpful approach to achieving that goal? And what does that timeline look like and what's reasonable for them? Is there a good way? I mean, obviously like performance in the gym and maybe performance in their games or whatever. Is there a good way to know what that appropriate body weight is for you? Because somebody might be trying to approach a certain weight and how would they know? How would you know maybe as a coach that's the right weight for that person? Um, right. Are you doing like some DEXA scans? Are you, or, or is performance the proxy? Yeah, so with like our guys, you know, they, they have like GPS units on them, like where they have wearables so we can track, you know, their speed and their performance, their power output. You can look at strength, um, how they're feeling subjectively energy level wise. If it's really hard for you to maintain a certain way, so let's say like you are an athlete and every season you're coming into preseason and they're like, we got to do extra conditioning and they need to drop weight on you every time. And it's not because you went like ham in that little break that you had after your sport, but like it's because like that's where your body like wants to be. 
if you're having to like all you're working so hard at constantly keeping weight off that you're seeing like your performance is suffering your strength is going down your energy levels are affected you're getting injured you're getting sick often these are indicators that you're probably under fueling um and it might be that you're temporarily under fueling you don't necessarily have to be like a small lean super lean person to be under fueling you could be someone who is like trying to crash diet um and then and just using way more than you're putting into your body and you could have some breakdown and energy and injury that happens over that so i would say like you want it, it should be like any changes any body composition changes shouldn't be like miserable for you to do like all the time it might be miserable at first to like do a little bit of extra work but if you're like constantly hungry if you're having um you're constantly having headaches and energy issues and stuff like that then that's probably an indicator that like whatever way you're trying to achieve you're either going about it the wrong way or it's just not really practical for you so if somebody so i i guess i, I want to approach both of these whether somebody's trying to go up in weight or if somebody's trying to go down um if somebody was trying to go down in weight how would they know what like a good rate of weight loss is and um what is what would be normal to feel during that period yeah so would you really say like half a pound to two pounds a week is kind of that sweet spot um if you're a larger bodied person there might be a more substantial drop um and then you might see like i when people first start doing something they might see like i lost seven pounds this week and it's probably because you had some water changes as well um, it's not likely that they lost like seven pounds, um, in that, in that week, if you're losing like a ton of weight really fast and you're not, you don't have a lot to lose. Um, but you say like half a pound to two pounds and you might not lose a pound every single week. Cause you also need to look at body composition. You might be simultaneously gaining muscle mass while you're losing body fat. And so the weight may stay relatively the same and not make changes. So we kind of want to incorporate if you can do kind of some body composition tracking, whether that is DEXA or BOD pod. I wouldn't say you do that weekly or anything like that, but like after a certain period of time, maybe it's a few weeks, maybe it's a month um, to, to repeat it. But if that in that time frame, yeah, paying attention to, again, energy levels. How do you feel getting up in the morning? How's your, how do you feel going into your workouts? How's your soreness level? How's your stomach? Like, are you feeling like it's crumbling all the time? Are you having GI issues, you know, stomach upset issues or constipation or whatever, like anything like that just feels out of the whack. If that's something that's like sticking around, then like that might be like, all right, I'm trying to do this too aggressively. Um, and I, or, or I'm missing something. I've cut out something that I've, I've missing. A lot of people will pull back substantially on carbohydrates to begin with. And you're going to feel like shit right off the top, probably. Um, it might normalize, but yeah, definitely paying attention to subjectively how you're feeling. Um, and more weight loss is not necessarily like ideal. Because you could be, if you're losing more than a couple pounds in a week, you you might also be losing some muscle mass, which is generally not what people want when they're trying to improve body composition. So if somebody was dieting and they were experiencing constipation, you think it's mainly like because they're pulling out carbs and just not getting enough fiber? Or is this like a hydration thing? It could be both. Yeah, it could be both. Um, we do see a lot of like kind of more GI issues with people that are under fueling or under eating for a period of time. But yeah, it could be something that you've taken out that your body is responding to, like again, not getting enough fiber, um, not hydrating enough, something like that. Um, there's so many different factors though when it comes to like our gastrointestinal. So when you're tracking somebody's weight loss, um, are you're so I my my approach with my clients is like I'll take somebody's daily average and then I'll take all seven divide by seven get a weight and then I'm comparing that to the following week take seven divide by seven so I have average from one week average to next week to get an average um, but you know there will be times where that might stall or hold for a while and then you might have a drop um, and it's not going to be exactly linear right like we we know that weight loss isn't linear is there a way that you go about tracking that for somebody or how are you making sure that they're making progress there? Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't really done any kind of like besides working with my athletes, um, any kind of weight loss coaching in a little while. So that's not something I'm generally doing. And with our guys, we're kind of, I'm kind of looking at DEXA and looking at comparing body fat percentage, 
um, and uh, yeah, how the present, how much fat mass they have versus their lean mass. Um, and we do that usually like, a, and we have also got like pinch calibers, my strength coach does. So we'll look at that like weekly, bi-weekly, um, that sort of thing. So I'm usually kind of using that. I'm a little less intense with um, frequency of weight um, just because I feel like sometimes that can be, depending on how aggressive we're attacking our goal, right? But for some people, like if it's a, men it can be a mental hang up for them. Like if they see that number and it's like not the direction they want it to be, then that like affects how they feel about themselves or how they're, the actions they're taking that day. Um, so I'm kind of, I tend to be at less is more camp personally. Yeah. Would you measure with somebody like that? Would you find a different form of trying to track progress? Like how do your clothes fit or how do you feel when you look at yourself in the mirror? Yeah. Cause a number is so variable too, right? A number can change over time. What, you know, 150, 160 pounds looks like on you may look different when you were younger than what it does looks like when you're older um based on again like presence of your fat mass and uh, muscle mass sort of thing right um so it, it, like like chasing a number um it tends to be less of a goal for me and more of like chasing like a feeling right like how you feel how you move how your energy is how you feel about your body body confidence sort of thing um so yeah more like pictures based how clothing fits based and then those subjective parameters around like energy mood right yeah 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 i'd say that that's like another approach of mine i think the it would be probably like more measured around somebody who's like okay we're trying to get them to like i don't know like a bodybuilding stage or something like that we're probably going to see it more in that direction but they're also probably more serious about those very specific means of tracking because they want i need to know now um, but like also having to be sort of careful with that individual and like where they end up after all of that. So, um, it is kind of nice to hear that you're like, you have this varying approach. It's not like, like you've said, like everything that you've set up to this point, it's not like, Hey, this is how I do it with everybody. And so it's like, it's nice to see that and that it exists in, you know, high levels as well. Um, with somebody who's trying to gain weight. Um, is there, are you still just looking at, okay, what their body fat percentage is? Is there, uh, an amount that you'd want them to focus on, um, in terms of like not putting on too much weight too fast or. Yeah. I'm kind of the same general approach. Putting on weight can be a little bit harder, especially if we're trying to put on as much lean mass as possible and not put on a lot of fat mass. Um, kind of the same general rule, the half a pound to two pounds, anything more than that is probably um, fat or something, or it's just not, it's probably not muscle mass that we're building, but people gain muscle mass, um, at different rates and different speeds. Um, that might be where I'm more like looking at a weight it might be a regular tracker also, cause it just tends to be more often that it's male, um, men that usually want to be the ones to put on more weight, um, in my experience personally. And so they're, they tend to also be the ones that are less um, hung up on that weight, like where it's like a, gonna affect them negatively there. And I find ways to just kind of hype them up where it's, you know, they're just, I don't know, they're, they're feeling good about the gain and or whatever. Um, but yeah, that might be more, we're checking more of a, a rate, a weight regularly. Um, but even then, like, I'm kind of like a, a, like maybe once or twice a week kind of a person and then looking at our actual body composition, um, but also paying attention to strength, how that person's feeling. Um, if we're trying to jump up a lot of calories, sometimes like I can find that guys have like stomach issues and that sort of thing. So it might be a little bit of a slower start until we get into a groove of having things in place. Are there some favorite things that you like to talk to your clients about? Um, are there certain things that you like really like to like hone in on? That's a good question. Um, hmm. I like to talk to them a lot about just like sleep habits and that sort of thing, because a lot of times that's, and, and stress levels, um, kind of my overall whole body approach. Cause a lot of times like those are overlooked, um, in, in things that we need to address, um, when it comes to supporting our goals. Cause if we're, if we're, if we're not sleeping regularly, for instance, for, our, for a male or, or for anybody, a lot of this recovery happens overnight. Um, a lot of, of the human growth hormone, like we're seeing that at, at nighttime. And so if we're not getting a lot of sleep, we're losing out on essentially potential for gains. Um, 
And if we're someone who's not taking care of our stress, we might have an inflamed body that, um, it, it, and and it, that's not supportive of whether we're trying to lose or gain or whatever. Um, so looking at just kind of those recovery habits, that's a big one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like to know like what they really enjoy eating so that we can find ways of talking about how do we can keep those things in. Um, a lot of times if we're restricting too much or we're taking things out that we really enjoy and are something that is like a regular for us or something, a food that's like a comfort food or something that gets us really excited. If we cut that out completely, then we can see like some binging or, or other less ideal habits. So um, I might be like, hey, let's talk about what you've heard about nutrition and what you need to do. And let's talk about what's actually practical and what will be the best solution for you. I like what you said about sleep and then putting it in the same bucket as recovery, which is where it belongs. There's a lot of other, what people feel are methods for recovery. And where do you think that those really fit in? So like things like your maybe Normatec boots or red light therapy or cryotherapy or, um, you know, regular massage guns or things like that. Where do those fit into recovery? Um, and like, if I'm not getting enough sleep, can I out recover on this other end? Hell no, sleep is king <laughs> with recovery. But those can all fit in. Like there's tons of different modalities for recovery, all of varying degrees of um, helpfulness. And some can be done in conjunction with one another. You can pick one, you can pick other. Um, there may be different things that are, are better for you, more preferred because they're more accessible, more, more cost effective or whatever. But when it comes to like most impactful bang for your buck, sleep, it's free. It's free sleep <laughs> how do you feel about things like um like just like going for a walk on like i don't know it doesn't have to be like an intense walk but things like a walk to promote recovery to promote recovery um yeah i mean you get blood flow going i love a walk like after a meal honestly too um because it helps with digestion and just getting everything moving and grooving um, and, and can be helpful for blood sugar response as well. Um, and when I'm talking about blood sugar, sugar response, I'm talking about then like potential for weight storage versus, you know, not. Um, so, uh, as far as like a walk for recovery, yeah, sure. Sure. Walks, walks are great. One of my, I guess one of my, I'm kind of losing my frame of thought, but like what you were, uh, just talking about, what would be like one of your. Damn, I just lost it. Sorry. <laughs> it don't come back. Uh, yeah, I don't know about it. It was going to be one of my last questions, though. Um, but surrounding digestion and things like that, there's lots of, you know, lots of things out there that claim to have probiotics and, and claim to improve digestion. Are there things that people should be focusing on to help improve their digestion over like things like probiotics or are those things really as good as people are saying? Yeah. I mean, so probiotics, when we look at probiotics, there's so many different ones and each one can be different levels of effectiveness. There's different colonies, different strains or different amount of colonies, different strains. And so there's, it's, it's like one probiotic is definitely not a fits all sort of thing. Um, if someone's using probiotics, we generally want to look at like, is there's, what are you specifically trying to do and find a, specific probiotic that targets that specific goal or need or issue but you can add more probiotic foods into your diet you got yogurt kimchi sauerkraut things like that um kombucha foods that like and consume things like that and get and get more probiotics in but um water hydration that's a big one um fruits vegetables whole grains getting enough fiber into your diet that's a big one gut health is so important um, and people will like, you know, overlook it or dismiss it or just be like, this is just where I'm at in life. But your gut health can affect your mood. It can affect your energy levels. It can affect your immunity. It can affect your performance. Um, there's so much that we still don't know and are discovering about our gut health. So if you are someone that struggles with like constipation or frequency or just stool issues in general, like definitely want to, you definitely want to maybe look at what you can do for your gut health, but it isn't necessarily reaching for those, like all the gut colon, colon, broom crap or whatever you see on TikTok. Those are crap. Don't, don't take those. Okay. I lied. <laughs> Not my last question. Something that you mentioned earlier, um, kind of surrounding like 
you want you want a beverage with sugar surround and this is where my ADHD kicks in. Sugar uh surrounding your workout, you'll you'll get the crowd that's like, sugar's terrible for you. You should never have sugar. Like, is there a certain amount we should be trying to shoot for? Is it as harmful as most people think it is? Like No, you know, there's like there's gosh, it's such a loaded thing, right? There's there's added sugars, there's natural sugars. Natural sugars come from like fruits and and honey and milk, you know, things that are naturally occurring foods. And there's added sugars, so sugars that are added to foods to enhance the flavor or whatever. When it comes to exercise, we need carbohydrates and we want them in simple form. If it's a simple carbohydrate, it's digested and metabolized and turned into energy fastest than something that's like a whole grain or has fiber or something like that that takes longer to break down, longer to turn into energy, longer to use. So we want a simple sugar. If you're someone who's in the big camp of like, no, added sugars and eat some freaking fruit and keep it pushing. But like there is, there are times when like added sugars, like taking a Gatorade, taking something that's full sugar may be beneficial for you. Again, if you're exercising for longer than an hour and you're not adding anything, anything else in, carbs in a, in a sugary drink may be beneficial for you. Um, carbohydrate, for every one gram of carbs we store, we store three to four grams of water. So carbohydrates are actually hydrating. Um, so they actually help us with hydration. Um, so it's, there's different reasons why, like, I like to see carbohydrates, um, sugar in particular, um, in and around like a workout. Um, I always tell people, if you've got a sweet tooth, especially like eat at before or after a workout, you want some like gummy bears or something, crush those before or after workout, because that's when our body wants sugar, wants, wants carbohydrates, which are sugar in the simplest form. So simple sugars, whether that's added or natural, you choose. Jessica, thank you so much for being on. It's been so insightful. I learned some things. I'm going to put a sweat patch on my head. Uh, Let's go. <laughs> where is the best place for people to find you, learn more about you, um, and potentially uh, do you take on clients um, for nutrition outside of the, the work that you're doing now? Yeah, so best place to find me, um, Instagram, TikTok. I'm Jessica, the sports RD, RD for registered dietitian. Uh, and my website's Jessica, the sports RD.com. Um, as far as clients, right now, I only take on uh, high level competitive athletes. Um, and it's usually, it's pretty, I'm, I'm kind of pretty selective currently just because of my workload. Um, but I do seminars, I have handouts, I have an online course, um, I have other resources that could be helpful. And I'm always like down to the a plug a peer that's a rock star in what they do um, and help people with referrals to uh, uh, someone that can help them too. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, we will catch you all on the next one. If you like this one, be sure to share it. Uh, let people know that you enjoyed it and uh, maybe write us a review or whatever. But uh, we will catch you all on the next one.